Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Part-Time Outdoors Podcast. Hosted by Matt Noss and Nate Wright. Hello. Justin, what's up, buddy? What's going on, man? Oh, nothing. You wouldn't believe it. Um... I am sitting in the Walmart parking lot. <laughs> so I got everything hooked up to a power bank because okay. I don't I don't have uh I don't have reliable cell phone service where I live now. So I'm I'm hooked up to a power bank. Everything seems to be working. <laughs> so what we'll, this will either be a uh, game changer or we'll have to redo this episode. But uh everything seems to be good right now. Okay. All right. Well, yay. Adapt, man. Adapt. I was getting ready to call you, and then a big tractor trailer. I was sitting, I'm all the way in the backside of the parking lot, and then a big tractor trailer rolled up, and he parked, and then I assume he's going to sleep, but he left his engine one, so um, that's why I had to move a couple spots down so you couldn't hear that, but <laughs> we should we should be good for some turkey talk. All right. All right. Let's, let's get it. All right. I appreciate you uh, coming on. I know you're in between night shifts right now, but uh, just woke up, so should be good and good and rested for us. Yeah, yeah, for but, sure. Um, so Justin is one of uh, a guy I grew up with, but probably I don't know a ton about turkeys. I'm I'm still newer to turkey hunting. I don't know how I got so old uh, <laughs> and never really hunted them till what past couple of years, but um, I've probably out of all the turkey knowledge I have, which isn't a ton, most of it I would attribute to you teaching me, taking me out and, and, and showing me the ropes. So if you want to just go ahead and tell people a little about yourself and your and your background on uh, turkey hunting specifically. Um, yeah, I kind of got into turkey hunting late. Uh, uh, you know, dad didn't do it a whole lot when we were younger, uh, say 13, 14 years old. Um, 
and it took a friend actually uh, taking him out, getting him hooked on it, and then he took me out, got me hooked on it, and now I'm trying to get Matt hooked on it. It's um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, you know, went to the military, kind of lost lost a few there years there, and uh, everything like that. But you know, it's it's definitely a passion of mine. Uh, well. Then again, being outside and hunting is is always a passion. Um, you know, it's the ultimate game of chess. It's something I love to do. It's something I love teaching my son to do. Um, you know, taking new people out, teaching them. It's uh, it's great. Springtime's a different hunt. It's uh, you see see new things, see new life coming in, and everything like that. It's it's just a great great time, and it's something I absolutely love to do. I think that's kind of what got me really into it is it being springtime. And after I got into wing shooting in general, um, I kind of lost, you kind of lose the high once you get to end of February and you're like, all right, well, I'm not ready to stop yet. What's next? And really the only thing available other than fishing is this turkey hunt and spring gobbler. So for sure, for sure. So it's, uh, and like, it, it's a great chase. It really is. Um, don't get me wrong. I, you, you know me, I love, love shooting pheasants and doing the upland thing and everything like that. But man, chasing a gobbler is, is a whole, whole different game. Yeah. When, the, when the fogs, the sun's coming up, the fogs there, and then you get that gobbler gobbling real close. It, it, it definitely makes your uh, hair, hair stand up, your blood pressure raise a little bit. But uh, speaking of your son, so you, you live in Pennsylvania now, but you'll still be hunting West Virginia a lot. Uh, oh, absolutely. You're pretty close to uh, youth season. You going to take him out for youth season? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, man. Um, you know, West Virginia there offers great opportunities. Bird population is, is pretty doing well, as always. Um, you know, yeah, I still still working on getting him his first bird and, you know, getting them to sit still and getting them close enough to, 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 yeah, you know, make an ethical kill and everything like that. So yeah, definitely, definitely getting him out, getting him after it. I think, I mean, I'm 30, I'll be 33 and that's still my sitting still is my biggest problem still, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I yeah. think is why I like hunting with my dog so much. Cause they, they constantly have me moving, but, um, it is, I don't even know what today is. Today's like the fourth, I think. It is. And then, uh, so you season West Virginia opens April 16th and 17th, I believe. And then adult, if you want to call us adults, uh, <laughs> opens, uh, on the 18th. So you're, you're really close. I mean, we're, we're at the last couple of minutes. We just got to hang on a little longer. We'll start hunting. And then I'm sure yeah. you're going to hunt PA as well, correct? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, uh, chances are I'll probably come down come down to your way and you know you know uh if you have the time and the energy we'll uh we'll get after it like always oh I, i'm always gonna have the time now the uh <laughs> and the, the nice part is so west west virginia does it's the 18th through 22nd through may 22nd and then so april 18th through may 22nd but then pennsylvania is april 30th through may 31st so the weeks are offset a little bit so we'll have you'll have a little bit extra gap on one you can hunt uh west virginia a little earlier and then pa a little later for sure and it's it's great you know it, it's uh 
you know, especially uh, especially the area that we live in, you know, we're not too far from PA, not too far from West Virginia, you know? Yeah, unfortunately, since I moved, I got to drive a little bit farther to get to those PA game lands, but I'll still be there. And like you said, West Virginia, the, the population here for turkeys has been really good um i would assume i don't know the statistics but i would assume we probably sell a lot of licenses to out-of-staters for for turkey hunting because it is so good for sure for sure so so as far as let's go ahead and uh well you know what i'm gonna go ahead and get the embarrassing story for me out of the way before you hit me with it first <laughs> so what was it, about two years ago uh um, i think it was two years ago Oh, one, one of my first actual times turkey hunting with a shotgun on a rifle. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, so Justin showed me the ropes. And as soon as we get out of the truck, uh, we walk a little bit, and he starts making his calls, and I'm kind of seeing the process. And right out, right out of the gate, he's got a gobbler gobbling back. So I think the goal was to get me my first turkey. So we kind of sneak up, find a good spot. And uh, he's like, all right, right here. Just go ahead and we'll sit down. I'll call him in. Well, Justin calls him in. And <laughs> at this time, I was using, I didn't have a camo gun. I didn't, like, I didn't know what I was doing. So I have my basically silver stock upland gun. <laughs> and this turkey comes up over the hill periscoping, looking at us. And uh, I think it saw a flash probably, either me moving, like I said, I can't sit still, or a flash from my uh, silver stock. And at this point, I, I, I swear he's probably 70 yards away. I, I don't know the exact distance, but to me it was a far shot. And uh, Justin's yelling at me, shoot it, shoot it. And I was, <laughs> it's running. And I was like, man, there's no way. Like, that turkey's gone. I'm not even going to try. Well, Justin stands up, pop. I was like, there, there's no way he just hit that that turkey, and uh, he he runs to it, and yeah, he downed it, and I was like, wow, just opened my eyes. I was like, wow, you, I mean, granted, you're military. I think I'm usually a pretty good shot, but I was like, yeah. wow, that was uh, that was something. I mean, I I to in, in fairness, I didn't have one of those uh, tight chokes or any of that, but uh, I was still I still probably wouldn't have taken that shot. And yeah. uh, when you nailed it, I was like turkey hunting is awesome because at that point too i mean we we'd only been out of the truck like what 35 minutes or something not even not yeah. even so then that and i had that assistance from that three and a half inch you know yeah that's so. that's a good point that's uh so basically for for ammo you would recommend three and a half and then what, what size shot are you using for that um i'm using six shot on those but you know um before before I even found out about three and a half inch, you know, three three inch, three and a half inch, it don't matter. Um, you know, I was killing birds with three inch before I even stepped up to three and a half inch. And, uh, you know, three and a half inch is the way uh, the cost of everything is today. Uh, you know, nothing wrong with three inch either. It gets the job done. People were killing, even killing birds with two and three quarters before, you know, three inch and three and a half inch were even around. So just whatever load works for you, uh, take the, I highly recommend taking the time and, and, you know, patterning your gun and figuring out which, which load works best for you and, and your gun. Yeah. I was looking at, um, 
shelves this morning, and you're not lying. They had to have doubled in price since the, probably even last season when I was looking. I mean, I couldn't believe how much they were. But um, so would you – so you said you use mostly six shot. Um, do you ever switch that up based off where you're hunting? Like if you know you're hunting a field – versus if you're out in the mountains with a bunch of brush like do you ever switch that up or are you pretty much just like solely six shot uh, depending on where i'm going uh you know you can use the lowest i'll go is number four uh i used four for years uh and then you know got to thinking about it hey why not throw more lead down range uh, <laughs> that always and, helps and that's why i switched over to six um you know more of a chance, uh, obviously, uh, case in point, that bird that you killed, uh, or that I killed, uh, yeah. with you. <laughs> Rub it in. <laughs> right. Uh, I only found two pellets. Two, pe- two pellets took that bird down. The rest of the pattern, who knows where it went. Um, and, you know, if I would have been using number fours, who's to say I would have missed that bird that day? Uh, right. It's, uh just stuff to think about man you know if you're if you're reaching out a little ways uh i think i think that bird probably that you and i killed together uh probably what 50 yards oh yeah i shot him at yeah you know that that'd probably be a fair fair guess so but uh you know so it's just stuff to think about situation always dictates uh you know the hunting equipment, uh, type of load, you know, if, uh, even, even like, even look at deer hunting, you know, uh, going in a brushy place, 30, 30, 45, 70, you know, it's same thing for turkey hunting. Yep. That makes sense. That, and as far as, um, like your chokes go, would, are you recommending like, uh, like an extra full or you think full works or do you ever switch that even to like a modified on on different parts depending where you're hunting or you pretty much always stick to your uh extra full i'd I'd stick to an extra full personally uh you know turkeys are tough man uh yeah you it's it's all about shot placement you know getting it right there at the base of the neck uh but you know say you did make a bad bad shot you you want that extra extra knockdown per se so uh yeah i would definitely stick with the tighter choke uh it'll one it'll help you reach out and touch them if you need to and uh you know it just it just puts more lead in that specific area that you're trying to hit yeah that makes sense as far as uh since we're talking about equipment as far as uh like is there anything else you would so say you have a brand new person first time out this year for turkeys what would be the top things you would recommend other than your like a 12 gauge and and the shells and the choke and all that like as far as are you recommending a a mouth call i know you're gonna tell me no because i'm terrible (laughs) with mouth calls yeah are are you thinking like uh, (laughs) a scratch box a, a slate call a glass call like um a range finder um, a specific type of uh, cover, like what? What would you be recommending to a new person? Um, really keep it simple, man. Um, you know, uh, 12, 13 years old. The first first bird I ever killed, all I had was my twenty gauge and a box call. 
Um, you know, keep it simple. Uh, go with a box call, go with a pot call or slate call or, you know, or even the, even the little box call that, you know, you just push the little stick and it, it makes a turkey noise. Um, don't, you know, your first couple of years you're learning, um, you know, work on using a diaphragm eventually, uh, you know, work on your, your calling techniques. But at first you can go out there with some Walmart camo, a box call, your shotgun, you know, and make it happen. You don't, you don't, yeah, the, I'm a, I'm a gearhead. I love the latest and greatest gear, but, um, honestly, if you just keep it simple, with those few things you can go out and kill birds that's those are i mean that's great points i mean that's pretty much what i did last year i mean on my way to work i stopped because we we had shift change not till nine so i would always stop on my way to work and i got pretty close with just average gear on on gobblers unfortunately i i had to leave every time they got close <laughs> because i couldn't be late for work and and i was always calling justin i was like hey justin they're doing this what do you think i should do now and like nine times out of ten he was usually right but uh <laughs> it's it's definitely it's fun being out there by yourself but i feel like i have more fun like when i go with you because one you know what you're doing i learn a lot more too I, i'm a big learn guy um so some of the like the, some of the techniques and stuff that you use, like I'm like wow, I never even thought about that. And then sometimes, you, um, I think I did it with you. You can use tricks if you have two people as well. Like uh, I think one of the things we did was we had a gobbler out near my house where I was telling you they were being tricky, and uh, called Justin for reinforcements. And uh, one of the things we did was it wouldn't come to us, but it kept gobbling. So he said, hey, you sit here, and I'm going to walk backwards away from the turkey, and hopefully it'll it'll follow me a little bit. And when it follows me, thinking I'm, you know, 200 yards farther than where it originally heard us, you'll be right there ready for it. And just, just little tricks that, you, that you've taught me like that, um, I mean, that to me, it's, it's worth its weight in gold. Yeah, um, no, there's, uh, and this is, this is all secondhand knowledge, uh, you know, I've learned from my dad and just getting out there and getting after it. I can't, my, you know, I've, I've killed a lot of birds, but I probably would have killed, uh, a lot more birds if I would have known half the stuff that, uh, that I know today. Uh, you know, it's all trial, trial and error, you know, really, uh, it's just getting out there and doing it really. Um, you know, the more you do it, the more you learn, uh, you know, read up on it, watch videos. YouTube is a great re resource that we have today that you can sit there and kind of, kind of watch people that have killed way more birds than you, uh, uh, you know, just learn. So make it a passion. You know, it's another reason to go out in the woods and, uh, enjoy creation and, you know, see new things that you don't normally see in the fall and the winter definitely and and speaking of your dad i know he's he's pretty big turkey guys he's, he's killed a lot of turkeys uh one thing i noticed just from the one or two times i've i've hunted with him and you it seems like there's a big difference whereas like i feel like he's the more conservative type he kind of likes to and i could be totally wrong because like i said i've only went one or two times with him he kind of likes to sit down um, hide himself, conceal himself, call the turkeys to him. 
Whereas I feel like, and I was surprised by the way you hunt, I feel like you're very aggressive as far as you like to get up on top of the ridge, give a call, find where they're at, locate them, and then almost go at them until you, and close the gap until you get within what, like a, a hundred yards, 200 yards, something like that. And then you sit down. Is, is, would I be correct in saying that? Yo, absolutely. I love, I love running and gunning. Um, you know, I like to, one, I kind of have that same problem that you have. I don't <laughs> like to sit still. still. Yep. I don't like, I do not, um, you know, uh, deer hunting, you know, obviously you sit still and, you know, piddle on your phone and sit there for hours upon hours. You don't have to do that turkey hunting, you know, you can get up, walk, and to be honest with you, you know, I've located more birds walking around, you know, just throwing out calls here, you know, walk a couple hundred yards, throw a call, see what happens. Uh, I've gotten into a lot of birds that way. Uh, you know, dad's getting a little bit older. Uh, he didn't always used to be that way. He used to, uh, walk me until I didn't want to walk anymore. So, uh, but kind of like when we took Christian, uh, your son bird hunting. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, but, uh, you know, he didn't always used to be that way. Obviously with age, you slow down a little bit, but, uh, you know, he, uh, he used to get after him pretty well too, but yeah, these days he's more conservative. He'll, uh, he'll, uh, he'll sit and wait and, you know, chances are 90% of the time he's probably taking a nap, but you know, (laughs) it's kind of cool though, to see that, I mean, really you can use all different types of gear. You can use all different types of, of methods as far as conservative, aggressive, um, however you want to do it. And people are finding success on these, on these spring gobblers every which way. So, I mean, that's definitely encouraging to see. Definitely. Definitely. So, you know, it just, uh, the biggest thing is being patient. Uh, you know, bird shuts up, you don't think it's coming, you don't think it's coming. And then boom, all of a sudden there it is. You know, if, if anybody takes anything from this show today, it's patience. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that was one thing I have, I did learn last year was just because they're not gobbling doesn't mean they aren't coming. And, and kind of from my little bit of experience, it almost seems like they shut up the closer that they get. Um, it did. Cause I mean, I was caught, I was working that gobbler out when, before a couple of days before you came out and you know, gobbling, gobbling hard. And then I was like, well, I guess he left. I mean, it's been 20 minutes. I, I don't see him. And then I, I mean, a massive gobble couldn't have been more than 25 yards from me in the, <laughs> in the brush. So yeah. Is there a, yeah. a specific cadence that you would recommend as far as, um, like you go by any, any set of rules as far as like every 10 minutes, I'm going to make a call every 15 minutes. I'm going to make a call. Um, no, not really. It's, uh, again, it's all situation dictates, but when you know for sure that that gobbler is on a string coming, you know, hammering or, you know, or even just, you know, the last gobble was really close. The biggest thing is to shut up. Let that bird come find you. Um, you know, just uh, make him look for you. Uh, and they will. And it's, it's absolutely amazing that the bird on the next ridge had no clue where you are, but yet 
here he is standing right in front of you, you know. How, just, how uh, does a new person learn? Because I do feel like that was something I struggled with as far as, I don't know if it's just me, me and my depth perception or, it, I mean, are you trying to listen to, I, I don't know if it would be best to listen to the volume of the gobble because they would they could be turned around. Are you listening to like how clear the gobble is bef- before you shut up and and kind of conceal yourself? Like at what point do you realize or do you say to yourself, okay, now I need to stop being aggressive and I and I need to find cover. I need to conceal myself because this guy's getting close. Well, one it it'll come in time. Uh, you know, the more you get out there, the more you mess around with these birds, the more you learn obviously uh you know case in point that that uh that bird that i killed with you you know i heard him gobble behind us uh just the volume of the gobble that you could almost hear hear it in their chest when they gobble you know it's like a thumping uh he sounded so close i'm pretty sure that bird was almost roosted directly behind us but the way the brush and everything was you know he had to come out and around uh, just, just listening, uh, you know, the next time we heard him gobble, he was way out in front of us and to the left. That's why we kind of walked around and, you know, sat where we did, uh, it just getting out there getting experience is the best thing. Uh, you know, and like you said, sometimes they'll play tricks on you. Sometimes they're not, they're not facing you when they gobble. And then the next time they turn around and gobble, they're, they're facing you. So it, it, it can be tricky and it, and it comes with time really. Uh, you know, just, just get out there, listen to birds, you know, even drive down some back road, you know, find you a field with birds in it and, and call to them and listen, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. The, uh, it, that's, I mean, and they're unpredictable too. It's just like when I, I told you those, those turkeys out of that West Virginia WMA, I was like, man, the, I'm telling you these, these turkeys, I've never seen anything like it. I know I'm new, I'm newer to turkey hunting. And we're walking around, and we we flush one out of the roost at what, like eleven o'clock? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Which which kind of blew my mind, but then again, it goes back to what I said before: you got to be patient. You know, mm-hmm. if we probably would have said another, you know, thirty to forty five minutes, who knows? That bird might have might have came down out of the roost and came walking up to us. Yep, for sure. Uh, another, um, as far as going back to calling too. Uh, I feel like one thing that my goal for this year to work on is accessory noise. Um, one, one trick that you taught me as far as like, um, you would call and then you'd have me take off my ball cap and shake it around almost like, uh, I guess, uh, they're moving their wings back and forth. Um, I mean, it sounds realistic moving, I guess, moving sticks around when you call, um, putting your foot in the, uh, in the leaves a little bit, and then, uh, maybe even doing some double calling. So like maybe if I do somehow get a little better with my mouth calls, do a mouth call while I'm doing a box call, just sounds like multiple turkeys, uh, things like that is, is my goal for this year to get better at. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, you know when I had you take your hat off and shake it and everything, that was, that was more to, you know, think about it. Turkeys fly down first thing in the morning. So, you know, out of the roost. Yep. You, you, uh, you shaking your hat kind of sounds like wing flapping, right? And then you kind of kick the ground when, you know, to simulate landing, uh, turkey scratch to, uh, 
to find food. So, you know, if you're sitting there calling, you can, you can use your hand a little bit, you know, to help simulate a little bit of noise, you know, make it more natural. Just stop and think, stop and think about what turkeys do on a, on a daily basis. And you can kind of throw that into your calling sequence and everything to, to give it a little more real feel, not just, Hey, here's a hen, you know, standing there yakking her head off at me. Right. So, you know, just, just stop and think about what a turkey does on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, you can, uh, you can throw that into your sequence and, uh, make put a little realistic spin on it. That makes sense. And then you also carry with you, uh, I've noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this, but, and I don't know if, if maybe you recommend only doing it when you get desperate or, or whatnot, but I feel like you have a, you have a gobble call um so i feel but i feel like every time you do the gobble call is when if we're not having any luck because every mm-hmm. time after you do it you say i shouldn't have, i shouldn't have done that <laughs> <laughs> yeah no um obviously uh you know use that with caution okay uh you know public land even even on private land you know uh i i will will say those do come with a with a tale of caution uh there's other hunters out there. We're all gunning for the same thing. Uh, so, you know. so you're more you're more thinking, um, just uh, more like another hunter might think you're a gobbler, not necessarily that it it might scare off other gobblers. Is that right? Yeah, I I use that call more uh, more to get a a shock gobble, or right. you know, even even just to get a gobble so we can. So we can, uh, you know, try to try to get on a bird, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely use those uh, sparingly unless you absolutely know you're the only one. But uh, you know, that's that's just more. Hey, it's dead. Um, <laughs> you know, as far as uh, uh, shock gobbles go, um, I, I mean, I, I know some people will drive down WMAs at at night before um, to kind of see where they're at, and they'll they'll beep their horn or they'll take an air horn and just kind of locate, trying to get a shot gobble to get to get an idea of where the uh, where they are. Is that something that you do or not really? Trying to like put De- them to bed? No, definitely, definitely. Uh, that is a uh, that is a great tip and tactic. Uh, you know, especially. Uh, you know, we've hunted up behind moms. There's two hillsides that we can hunt. Uh, you know, go out later in the evening, you know, and uh, give out a couple calls or honk your horn or, like you said, uh, you know, even an air horn. I've never used an air horn personally, but, uh, you know, anything, an owl call even or a crow, you know, use those things. Go out, find your bird the night before. Uh, that way you at least have a heading or, you know, an idea of where you need to be in the morning. That is, a, that is a great tip and tactic that you can use. Uh, you know, when I was younger and we would camp out on the property that we hunted, we would always go up in the evening up on the hill and, uh, throw out a couple calls and see what we can find for the next day. Right. That makes sense. And the, the fact it would, it really probably would help because as far as, having an idea of where they are you really don't have that much time in the morning because i i know in west virginia you can't have an uncased um gun in the woods after i believe 1 p.m so and i i for some reason i think pennsylvania is noon 
So, I mean, if you don't, if you get out there at say like six o'clock or, or, or whenever, seven o'clock even, or if you go right after work, eight o'clock, I mean, you're already down. If you're hunting PA, you're already down to four hours. And yep. I mean, anyone that spent, that sounds like a lot of time, but anyone that spent time in the woods, just by the time you locate a turkey and get it to come to you, I mean, that time adds up quick, especially when you got to walk into these big WMAs or, or wherever you're going. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah. It, and, you know, guys like us, uh, you know, our time and, and everything like that, uh, you know, you only have so many hours in a day that, that you need to sleep and that you need to get ready for work and everything like that. So, if, yeah, if you have time the night before, I highly recommend uh, going out and finding your bird and having an idea of where you need to be and how much time it's going to take you to get there. Right. So, as far as... Um... As far as like weather goes, have you noticed uh, specifically like, are you trying to go out there on, on the rainy mornings, the cold mornings, or, or do you feel like that doesn't really make a difference? Like if it's going to be 80 degrees, do you feel like they're going to be um, not moving around as much later in the day? Like how do you look at the weather and then kind of make your decision? Like if you're going, not going, what maybe sleeping in, like, do you do anything like that based off of weather or you don't pay much attention to the weather? I mean, you can kill, you can kill birds in any type of weather. Uh, me personally, I hate hunting in the rain, but that's just me. I'm sure some other guys out there feel the same way about it, but, uh, you can kill birds and, you know, you can kill birds in the snow in early April when it's still snowing out, unfortunately, uh, you know, and you can kill birds in the rain. You can kill birds on sunny days. It's just, all about going out there and getting it but the tactics do change uh you know especially in rainy rainy weather uh turkeys turkeys rely heavily on sight and hearing um you know when it's rainy and uh and nasty and windy and everything like that uh obviously they can't they can't hear as well so uh you know switch your tactics up uh get on the edge of that field uh find a small meadow or something like that that's 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 most of the time where you're going to find the birds uh and that's simply because they want to be able to see uh you know their greatest asset is uh is that eyesight um next to their hearing uh so definitely you know tactics change on weather those sunny days you can you can chase them all over the hills and you know as it as it warms up you'll find them you'll find that it slows down a little bit but you know it just weather dictates uh weather definitely dictates your uh your game plan for the day that makes sense i'll i'll tell you why i'm not a uh a rain guy and it's not because i i mind getting wet it's not because i don't I, you know any of that it's i'm not a good mouth caller yet i'm working on it but i have one of the slate calls so when my slate call gets water on it, <laughs> it it gets kind of hard to call the turkeys in, which is why yeah. I don't know if that's the same with the glass calls. I think you have a glass call, right? I do, and and you'll you'll find it more difficult. Your striker gets wet, you know. Uh, I like using wooden wooden strikers and everything like that. Your striker gets wet; it doesn't call as well. Uh, you know, even even your box call. Uh, it'll get wet. It doesn't call as well. You know, uh, can you do it? Yeah. Is it painful? Absolutely. But, uh, <laughs> it, it's still possible. Um, 
And and to be honest with you, I haven't really put a whole lot of thought, you know, into how to make that work when it rains. Uh, you know, I, I caught on to diaphragms and everything like that. And I'll be honest, probably solid 90% of the time, that's a diaphragm is my go-to. That makes sense. The uh, I, I have seen some turkey vests and uh, packs and stuff that have came out. I don't, I don't know if yours is. I'm still just using an old Walmart backpack, but um, they'll have, like, waterproof compartments in them. So people will take out their, their slates or glass calls, do a call or two, dry it off, put it back in their uh, in their waterproof sack. Um, I was using a, uh, a little Ziploc bag, which it didn't work out real great. I feel like it was still getting a lot of condensation and stuff, but... Yeah, uh, that'll be something I'll I'll have to figure out this uh this spring. But you you like that glass call, yeah? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Dad bought me that. It's it's a Cody. Um, they're absolutely great calls. Uh, actually, uh, need to get my dad a new one. He uh, he's used his so much that uh, that he actually wore through it. So wow. if if and I think he got that call probably late nineties. So that, that attests to that attests to the product there. Um, you know, it just, uh, yeah, sl- slate glass. Uh, you know, I think I have an entire old tackle box full of Turkey calls, box calls, <laughs> slate calls, you know, old diaphragms, uh, you yeah. know, it just, yeah. you know, f- Find find something you like, stick with it, uh, make it work for you. Uh, you know, there's tons and tons of options out there these days. Uh, highly invest or highly suggest that you invest in, you know, a good call. It doesn't doesn't have to be outrageous. You know, we're not talking two three hundred bucks, but you know, uh, another another uh, another product that I'm catching on to is Woodhaven absolutely great diaphragms their slates are amazing and you know i think for like 120 bucks you have a great call i was looking at those last night those Woodhavens, but i couldn't remember the name of of yours but you said cody is that with a, a k or a c let's see let's see I'll, I'll look up those as well um is I know that on the slate ones, I'd take some uh, like some sandpaper and rub them down, and and I could get a much better sound. You do you use sandpaper and stuff on like the glass ones as well, or you just dry them off best you can? Uh, no, you can use sandpaper on them. And you know, another thing is if you have a wooden striker, take some take some sandpaper to that wooden striker. It'll it'll you know round off those edges and and help you get a good sound and you know get you get you what you're what you're looking for out of it. Good so, thing. yep, you know, sandpaper, uh, make sure, you know, you throw a little chalk on, uh, on your, uh, on your box call, that that way it's good to go. Uh, you know, make sure your diaphragms are nice and wet when, before you start calling. If not, you get, uh, you sound like Matt when you're, when you're <laughs> trying to call a, a dying chicken, exactly. uh, per se. Hey, you never so, know, that might bring them into, yeah, <laughs> or yeah. Tur- tur- wait, that's the turkey vulture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it sounds like something's dying over there, but you know. Uh, I mean, I'm 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 half turkey hunting, half coyote hunting. <laughs> you, you're something. We'll we'll put it that way. We'll be nice about it. So <laughs> appreciate, uh, appreciate uh, you not frying me on the pod. So yeah, we'll uh, I'll get you when I see you. So uh, you know, 
but uh no just uh yeah there's there's tons and and i'll be honest with you i still learn every year on uh on the gear aspect on uh you know what works and what doesn't work uh i've still never called one in to a decoy so that is a goal of mine this year is to to get one to puff up in front of a decoy before smacking in the mouth but uh you know just just things even you know even down to decoys there's so many options out there and again you do do not have to absolutely go top shelf but uh you know just just weigh your options weigh your budget and you know get out there and find out what works and what doesn't work that's that's all part of the game you know it's uh and it, it is the ultimate chess match that makes so. sense well i only had two questions left because I, I know that you uh got to get ready and get to work and everything but you you answered one of them just now i was going to ask you what your goal was for the year but uh <laughs> i guess i guess that'll be your goal for the year <laughs> it is it and is and uh if you can give me your best tip for a newbie heading out this spring first time ever spring gobbler hunting what would your best tip be for him? Um, again, be patient. Patient is the name of the game. Um, you know, I can't, I can't count how many times, uh, you know, I've left a spot or, or looked behind me right after I've gotten up and walked a couple hundred yards and there he is, you know, hanging, <laughs> right. sitting, you know, not even, not even 50 yards from me. And, you know, uh, if if I just would have sat still and paid attention to uh, the situation, you know, I I would have been way more successful in uh, killing birds. It's uh, you gotta wait, you gotta listen, you gotta you gotta have your head on a swivel. Uh, you can attest to how how fast that bird uh, was on us. Oh yeah, you know that that day that uh, that I was able to harvest that one. You know, you got to have your gun up, be ready, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, watch how much you call. Like I said, when you know that for sure, that bird is on a string and and headed towards you, shut up and let them come find you. That's a good tip. That was probably the best tip that you had given me because I, I was on I was on that call constantly and you were just like, stop, stop calling, they'll, like they'll find you. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that's that's a good tip but uh i appreciate you coming on um if you want to throw out any instagram handles or anything like that feel free to um i'll definitely link your uh instagram down on the uh on the show page comments and uh appreciate you coming on and taking some time out of your day between your night shifts and we'll try to if we can maybe videotape a couple uh hunts this year in west virginia and pa and get those up on youtube Definitely, definitely, man. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing you again, and, uh, you know, we'll get after it. And good luck to everybody, all the youth hunters and everything coming up. Good luck on the uh, upcoming season. Yep. All right. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate it, buddy. Not a problem, bud. See you. Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. 
brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.